Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional westerns, including episodic breakdowns on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. What's at stake? To go ahead and die stupid. Hate to end a fool. You murdering, thieving cocksucker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Weird West Radio. I am Michael Flores, your host. And in the studio with me today is, of course, Clint Felton. Hello, Clint. Well, giddy up. Hello. All right. So today you and I are going to be discussing and reviewing a movie, a very special movie that's near and dear. Well, at least it's the series that this movie is based on was near and dear to our hearts. And that is the 2019 HBO movie titled Deadwood, the movie. Yeah. Do you think they put a lot of thought into that name? I don't think they had to. I was I was down. (laughs) Like it could have been like Deadwood, the Reckoning, Deadwood, the Drifters, Deadwood, Calamity. I mean, didn't didn't like Gunsmoke back in the day do that? Like yes, Gunsmoke, yeah. Last Man Standing, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did. It's just so old school. It's so like nineteen eighties. Deadwood, the movie. They should have said like Deadwood, the motion picture. That would have been even oh, better. Yeah. All right, so this movie was 13 years in the making. Mm. Welcome the fuck back. Yes. Uh, and it's finally here. And honestly, I thought we'd never get here. There's been whispers for years that the show would make some type of return. And it finally did. Showrunner David Melch finally did right by the fans and gave us resolve. Uh, maybe not a conclusion in the truest sense. But it did bring resolve. The audience got a fairly good glimpse of where everyone would end up. 
while rounding out the various character arcs in a meaningful way that felt true to their stories and characterizations, or at least what we knew of them mm-hmm. when the show faded out in season three and never came back. It didn't fade. It just ended. It was hard out, wasn't it? It was just like <laughs> done. Yeah, it was a it wasn't like they were even a speculation of it. It was just like done and we were like, okay, we can't wait for season four. Yeah. Uh, it was it was like get the fuck out of here, guys. Later. Yeah. I'm hey, done. Fans, go suck a dick. <laughs> pretty much but how rewarding is this not just for the fans but but the actors you know timothy olivant ian mcshane molly parker yes all these actors that you know put a lot into these types of roles a lot into these roles especially at this time you got to remember when this came out this was at the cusp of the golden age of television this is what launched it along with various other shows I'd say about a half a dozen other shows came out around the same time that also helped propel TV to where it's at today. If We would not be where we're at today if it was not for TV shows like Deadwood. Mm-hmm. So to, these actors, you know, having this type of substance in a television show is just unheard of. And every single one of these actors have been catapulted into stardom. All of them work. All of them work consistently, either in movies or TV shows. None of them are schlubs. Uh, so coming back to the very show that you can pinpoint and say, Hey, you know what? This is the moment my career took off and we finally get to end this motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. We finally get to tell the end of our story of these characters and the fans will shut up. Uh, Well, yeah. Well, come (laughs) on. If we did it, if we did not, if we didn't shut up, we would never have gotten to this point. Right. Well, and, there wasn't you know, an I, outcry for it. Yeah, and I think we actually started uh, Weird West Radio. I mean, I know you had a, a few, I believe, shows before it, but right. when you and I got together to do it, I think they yep. just stopped, right? It was just the end of Deadwood. Was that? No, 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 because no, that's 13 Jesus, years. No, that's no, like no. 13 years ago. Yep. No, it was, we had connected on various other westerns and something i was working on and then you and i immediately started talking about deadwood that's how it yeah and that's when we knew we were made for each other (laughs) when we were going to be inseparable yeah and there's there's nobody going to come between us right exactly but and and i think that's uh and all kidding aside we do have this common deadwood theme because we we see it almost through each other's eyes it's it we 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 fanboy over it all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be- and we always come. We always use it as how not to end a show. Yeah. I mean, that's it's. We the always use it and the negative yeah. yes. of everything that we've ever talked about. And it's one of those shows that um, I we we we've had sprinkles, like you said, and we've gotten excited. And I think it was almost three years ago when we really got excited, and then it was gone again. And yeah. so. I think both you and I put on our our metal our metal shields over our chest because yeah we've heard this before okay we've heard the the uh the story was being written the script was getting ready and the actors were talking about it and we still weren't 100% behind it no it wasn't until what Kim Dickens yes got on um she was promoting Fear the Walking Dead on the uh Talking Dead post show on AMC with Chris Hardwick. And she would let it slip that 
they were getting ready to film. Yes. And I think that's great. And part of me wonders if she did that on purpose or if it was an accident. Either way, it worked in their benefit. It worked in their favor because it created just this avalanche of excitement. And I feel like it's excitement that HBO didn't even realize was still there. Because, again, you're dealing with a show that, yes, it was it was controversial as hell, number one. And we're not going to get into that. If you want to if you want to hear all of our thoughts on Deadwood as a whole, you can find our review of the pilot. Just scroll down our feed and you'll see it. It's about a year and a half ago we covered it. But a lot of controversy surrounding this entire series. And HBO back then in 2002, 2003, 2004 is not what they are today. No. They are mainstream now, mainstream. So it's not getting, it wasn't getting the viewership that they get today. They weren't getting the 18.5 million that Game of Thrones gets. So from an executive standpoint, who's not really in the know, who doesn't, you know, troll social media for Deadwood hashtags like losers do, like you and I, um, he was, <laughs> how is he supposed to know that there's any real excitement for Deadwood? You wouldn't know. It's a show that was that ended 13 years ago abruptly. So when Kim Dickens dropped that on us, I'm sure they had like a general consensus. That's why they were even going to do the film. You know, hey, let's create some excitement with the end of Game of Thrones. Let's bring back this 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 show for one episode, you know, one and done. So obviously they knew there was a there was um there was need and want for it. But I I. I find it hard to believe they real they saw it until Kim Dickens dropped that knowledge on all of us during the the Talking Dead episode. Right. Because that's when it just hit everywhere. Every blog had it. Well, I think one thing is that they they've I know that the actors had to feel it because anytime like Kim Dickens or anybody from the show was at a, a Comic Con or some sort of talk show yeah. That is the question they get hit with all the time. Yep. And I and I watched Timothy Oliphant on some some of these talk shows and they it's the one question, you know, you could tell in his eyes he's like not again. But people want it. And I think after so long they wanted it too, but they were so Just well, over I, it. Yeah, because they they've had to move on, but I think it's it's a testament to that show that people wanted the the end or something to round it all out. Because if you watch season three, we all know how that ends and it, or it doesn't. (laughs) How's that? And that's what we wanted because we were all hoping for that season four. So when this all came about, you and I got giddy and we were excited and we started talking about Deadwood again. And, uh, you know, I think, I think all around everybody's going to be happy with it uh, as far as getting something. How's that? Yeah. Well, let's get official here then. Let's get into this discussion. But let me start with your brief thoughts on the movie as a whole to kind of kick us off here. Well, I'm going to give you my my first initial reaction when I first watched it. Okay. That's uh, because I think that's fair. Uh, I think like anybody... We were super excited. I think I even, I might have even put out. Teared on, up? Oh, boy, hell yeah. I think on Facebook, I even put, do not disturb me for an hour and, or yeah. 
whatever, because I'm not on the earth. I am going to be watching this. This is I'm in fantasy land. Yeah, this is 13 years in the making. I I sent my kids away. My wife watched it with me. But this is all I cared about. (laughs) The house could be on fire. I would have had to wait. You know what I mean? Until the house burnt around the TV. I would have saved the TV. Um, I'm going to say right from the opening scene, that was the best way to start it. You have Calamity Jane on the yeah. horse with the beer or the, the whiskey, and she hasn't lost a beat. And we get right in. We basically get right into Deadwood and to see all the characters again, uh, was super, super exciting. I mean, it doesn't matter if it was Ellsworth, Dan. Uh, I mean, we all love Swearingen. Um, it was exciting to be back in there. Yeah. And uh, I uh, I think the main thing that I got from my first viewing was it, first viewing was mm-hmm. that uh, it's done. Yeah. And, and, and I was happy that we got some sort of resolve out of yeah. the whole thing. I agree with you. I 100% agree that this movie delivered what it needed to do, what it set out to accomplish. It accomplished. Was it perfect? No, there were some issues here and there, yep, yep. you know, and that's something we're going to get into a little bit later in our discussion, but it did exactly what it intended to do. It gave us all resolve. That's one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to not review it on my first like we watch so much stuff. I didn't want to review it that first watch. Yeah. Because this has been a favorite. Anytime I lend out my DVDs, I go, I will hunt you down. If these disappear, <laughs> they, these are my, this is the one Western that it's got to stay in my collection. So don't fuck with it. Yeah. You know, Prize so, possession. yeah. So when I, when I, we watch so much stuff, I wanted to not, look at it as a reviewer but as the fanboy that i am for deadwood and then my second viewing it became more of the review part yeah which we're gonna get into that right towards the end of the show yeah because you had a very different opinions after your second watching yes Yes. All right. So this movie was directed by daniel minahan and written by david melch of course, David Melch being the showrunner of the original series and Daniel Menahan also is no newcomer. He directed several episodes during the run of the original series as well. All right. So the synopsis is in this original movie based on David Melch's acclaimed Emmy winning HBO series, the characters of the show are reunited after a decade to celebrate South Dakota's statehood. Former rivalries are Reignited alliances are tested and old wounds are reopened. All right. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about this inciting incident, the introduction. Let's start exactly where the movie started, because I feel like it's so important to frame how David Melch chose to start his movie and how it made me feel as not only a fan, but as a movie critic sitting down and getting ready to be transported to this era once again. Now, this is something that I always look for in a movie, and it's the inciting incident. How are you going to grab me within those opening 10 minutes? And the question I had, one of the biggest questions I had 
How do you reintroduce the audience to a show that's been off the air for 13 years and within the story, 10 years actually has passed, have passed in that amount of time, a city like this would change quite a bit. You're dealing with 1889. Okay, we're closing in fast on the turn of the century when civility would start to take over the Wild West. And I have to say that the way they did it, first with the train coming from the darkness deep within the mountain tunnel, it almost, you know, like the it was almost like the audience was on board the train and we were being transported back into time to resume the tale where we left off. That was one of my Loved favorite it. parts. Loved it. That's the first thing I got. I'm like, Melch, there you go again with your your poetry, man. Just your poetic way of writing that allows the audience to immediately get immersed in the movie. And then we see Jane. You know, camera dollies slowly toward her while she acts like Jane. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic. I mean, just what a great way Never mind a a critic for a moment, but as a fan of the show and Jane being one of my favorite characters, just to see her be the first one doing her thing, talking to herself. What a great way to bring us back into the show. It's an instant mood setter. Well, especially she's starting to talk about the horse passing gas. You know, (laughs) and it's just you're you're just like there's nobody around, but the crudeness is back. Yeah, I love it. I love the crudeness. That's something you and I talked about. Like, is this show going to lose its rough edges? Is it going to lose the crude manner in the way they speak? And it's like, you know what? Five seconds in, Melch is all like, listen, nothing fucking changed, guys. (laughs) And I felt like with how they introduced us back into the show or back into this world with Jane, it was smart writing. To have one of our characters returning to the city after a long hiatus as well, just like us, essentially. Mm -hmm. Then that way we share the character's perspective as she gets reacquainted with the going ons of the town. And then another very smart move is it was then handed to Charlie Utter. And that was another smart play, in my opinion, by Melch, because he was going to be the motivator. We needed a motivator to jumpstart this story, a story dealing with, you know, a half a dozen, no more, almost a dozen characters. How do you bring them all together and give them one drive in a two hour movie? How do you do it? Well, let's use Charlie Utter, a character that pretty much everyone connected with at some point during the series. Everyone liked him. Not one person had a disagreement with utter maybe Al, but (laughs) that was squashed early on, but he was the motivation that would get the first act kicked off. It would actually start the story. That thing that all our characters can rally behind. And it was, as I said, this is not a negative, but maybe it is a little bit, Um, It was basically episode 11 of season three again. Mm -hmm. It's what Melch had planned to do with the death of Ellsworth, played by uh, Jim Beaver. If you remember in those final two episodes of season three, before they would fuck us all, (laughs) they did essentially the exact same thing. Hearst was the big villain. He killed Ellsworth, the good of the town. He was probably that one character you can point to and say he is the purity of the town. He's clean. 
And what did they do? They squashed him. They killed him. And that united everybody in that town. And they all turned their sights on Hearst. Well, take two. Here we are with this movie. He did the exact same thing with Charlie Utter. It's the character that would jumpstart this finale of sorts. And I felt a little cheated by that just because we've seen the story before. Yeah. We've seen that story. If you were to go beat by beat, take episode 11 and episode 12 of season three, it's the same story. The only difference is we got the extra bit on our characters, the, the, the kind of sawing off the and rounding out their edges, you know, finishing their character arcs, giving us some closure to some of their stories. But that's the biggest difference between this movie and episodes 11 and 12 of season three. Mm-hmm. And it worked for this movie. It did. The death of utter moved those emotional pieces back into place. It reminded us instantly of the stakes and how brazenly dangerous Hearst is. I forgot how much I hated that guy. Yeah. And he's a great actor. I believe we, Oh, absolutely. He was the dad in Longmire. I mean, he played, yep. well, he shot his own son. I mean, we're right. looking at a guy he who just plays assholes all the time. Doesn't yeah. He? I mean, he does a very good job. I mean, you, when he came into town, I was like, oh, I, you know, <laughs> this isn't going to be good because yeah. of how we ended the, 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 uh, the last season. So I was like, this isn't something bad's going to happen here. Yeah. Gerald McRaney is his name. Okay. Yeah. He's, he plays those villain roles pretty good. He's definitely a convincing piece of shit. And he has that whole aristocratic, you know, kind of aura to him that's perfect for playing a a douchey senator well then he was Um, at when he was with ellsworth or excuse me (laughs) utters uh claim or his uh the the creek he didn't even have to say anything and you knew he was angry or he was conniving he was thinking of something that was going to happen to him yeah that's a good actor we've talked about uh Ian McShane doing that and Timothy Oliphant where they don't have to say anything. They can just look at you. I, I just, yeah. I'm, I admire that. I think that's a great. Well, that's acting. Yeah. That's uh, great yeah. acting. Yeah. And all of this, Clint, I felt, I, I felt like it, it took the pause button off. Cause that's essentially what it was. It was a pause button at the end of season three. Yeah. For 13 it years, took 13 years of pausing. It took the pause button off and catapulted our characters back into the fray. You get the idea that the town has settled in. Everyone has found their place. And for the most part, they've all been living in peace for the last 10 years amongst each other. Sure. And the moment Hearst arrives, here we are again. This is season four, essentially the season premiere and season finale of season four. And like I said, it did work. I didn't have any issues with the movie. I understood why they have to do certain things. Um, but being the the writing, I don't want to call myself a guru, but the uh, the 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 analysis that we do for these shows, because it's we've trained ourselves to look for certain things. The moment the story started to revolve around Charlie Utter. And how he was the character that connected everyone together. He connected Jane. He connected uh, Bullock. He connected uh, Stubbs. I was like, you know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. He's going to get killed. He's going to be the thing that kicks off the entire show. And 
that's exactly what happened. And I don't know if that's predictability or if that's my ability to to um, dissect writing. Did you see that coming as well? Well, I you could feel it when Hearst was there that there's a good possibility that Hearst is just well. And then we uh, one thing that we had was these. I don't know what you'd call them. Uh, There's not hitmen. What's the word I'm looking for in the old West gunmen uh, come off the train. And just rude and stuff like that. I knew they were going to have a play it somehow. Not really towards Charlie Utter, of course, but I knew they were going to be at play in this somehow. And then when we were at uh, Charlie's uh, stakes on the river and then you see him just walk away, you had that feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, of course, you go back into town and Utters stood up um, the Bullocks. You kind of went, I don't see him ever doing that. Yeah. You know, you yeah. go, okay, now now we're in trouble. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing the movie when I say it's predictable, Clint, but maybe it's just suspense. I mean, suspense and predictability are two different things, and sometimes people get them confused. You have to build suspense, and even though, even though we know it's coming, it's still doing its job. It's it's keeping us at the edge of our seat. But like I said, this whole scenario was Ellsworth all over again. One part and of that's the- maybe another reason why I knew it was coming. Sure. Was, well, they need to paint that target on Hearst again. How are they going to convince the audience that after thirteen years, this or ten years, this man Hearst still deserves? His comeuppance. We don't know what he's been up to for 10 years. Maybe he became a, a preacher. Maybe he's right. a charitable man. We don't know. So how do they need to remind us? He needs to be directly involved in the murder of so- someone we care about once again, just like what happened with El- Ellsworth in season three. Well, I think part of the issue was, is we only had what, two hours. And I think and this is one of my negatives on this is that. Everything seemed to play a little faster. Of course it did, but in in like the seasons. I would have right. liked to have seen like a five hour miniseries where right. you hang on to some of that suspense. You may have suspected Charlie Utter was gonna die, but you're not a hundred percent because now you gotta right. wait a week, right? Yeah. So now you're it was missing that part of it. And I think that's one reason why it seemed very predictable. Because yeah. you're like, well, they're going to have to finish this out in probably an hour and a half now. Who's the who's the the catalyst that's going to start this? And right. you could definitely see who it was going to be. Not saying it was sloppy writing. Not saying it was bad writing. It was a great way to get it going again. But I think if we had uh, extra episodes, right, I think it mm-hmm. would have helped kind of build that and make us yeah. worry for our – it probably may not even have been that more predictable because you never know. It could have been Seth Bullock. You know what I'm saying? It could have been right. somebody somewhere, but they they had to push it through a little faster than I would have liked. <laughs> yeah, I I do agree. Uh, this the movie probably would have certain issues probably would have uh, been ironed out a bit better if this was a uh, even a three part series because. I feel like what you're bringing up currently is um, is a reflection of David Melch as a writer 
because he is an exceptional television writer, but writing a movie is very different. There's a, there's different things you need to do. For example, the first act, I believe Charlie Utter's death, which is the end of the first act, didn't happen until 40 minutes in. Sure. And typically that needs to happen between 25 and 30 minutes, sometimes okay. 35 max. So we're closing in at 40 minutes. That's the end of the first act. That's almost like the end of if you tacked on another 10 minutes, that would have been your first episode. So it's almost as if Melch took scripts that he had unproduced scripts that he had written for season four. And he kind of, you know, cut and paste like, all right, well, I'm going to take this. I'm going to rework this. I'm going to have to remind people. I'm going to take what I set up in season three and do this here for the opening. Um, and I, probably that's some of those issues you're talking about when it comes to yep. the pacing is because this ma- this is a man who's an exceptional writer. I don't want I feel like a, a piece of shit even critiquing him right now because this man's a genius. Uh, but that's probably those issues you're 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 mentioning. It has to do with the fact that writing for television is vastly different than writing a a a film. It's a very different process. Yeah, by no means was I saying David Milch was a, a, a schlub on, on the writing. I, I, he, I know. He's I know what you mean. My favorite Western ever. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I and granted, I, I do have to probably throw this disclaimer in there. Maybe I'm just that much of a, a geek that I I wanted more. And listen, I I don't disagree with anything you said. I'm actually backing you up, and I agree. I'm just also trying to find the reasons behind why we had those problems because right. I have the same issues you had. And like you said, this being a part of our existence, let's be honest, Deadwood is a part of our existence, yep. Clint. It is. And uh, sometimes when that's the case, you become, dare I say, fanboys of something. Yes. And it's a little harder to satisfy us because yes. we expect certain things and i will i will gladly say that disclaimer there i am one of them star trek guys or star star wars guys yeah. that's not happy oh excuse me you know. dear sir yeah <laughs> you know, you're destroying so. my childhood kind of the yeah. mid adolescent i don't know how old was i when this thing came out uh old enough i was yeah. i was an adult right all right, so let's talk about the characters and how it all played out and how it worked for us. Uh, first off, there's too many characters to get into during just a simple normal movie review like we're doing now. We might dig deeper, Clint, when we get to this movie on our Deadwood retrospective discussions on Patreon because we will re-discuss this in more of an episodic fashion Ooh. once we go through all those other episodes. And if people are interested in listening to our Deadwood retrospectives, where we break down each and every episode, we really delve deep into the, the writing. You can find that on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash rainman digital. And if you pledge $4 or more a month, you gain access to a plethora of additional Western discussions. Uh, some of which is our, Deadwood discussions, which doesn't help the fanboy in me at all. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to say that it was nice when it comes to our characters. It was nice that they continue the harmony that was built between the camp during the initial three seasons. For me, that was one of the biggest strengths of the show. And it's something that you and I harp on and go on and on about. In our Deadwood discussions on Patreon, we talk about how that's probably the the funnest part about the show is to see how 
it was this these characters all thrown together from different walks of life and yet they managed to find common ground in this show and that common ground being of course the prosperity of deadwood uh, the idea that they are all building something great together there's a sense of pride behind everything they do it turns a a gambler a saloon owner a uh, a sheriff a, a whore a drunkard uh, a mailman it brings all these different people together a hotel scumbag a skeevy hotel owner <laughs> yeah as it a brings mayor. it brings all of these characters together in a way that would make sense and these people would never seek each other out in in reality uh, so how do you bring these types of people together well you give them a common cause and it was an excellent way to create uh, this I want to say this vascularity of Deadwood where the Ooh. blood is pumping <laughs> and every character plays a pivotal part of this town and how it grows. Um, they attached a few thoughts I felt as well that kept our characters one when it comes to this movie. Number one. And this is a word I've been throwing around quite a bit in this discussion and I will continue to. <laughs> uh, and it's resolve. Yes. Everyone knew their place confident and they were confident and understood who they were and where they're at, which is something that a lot of them were still struggling with. Even towards the tail end of season three, even the relationships between Alma and Bullock, the lost love that would never be, there was an acceptance to that. How do you bring closure to a relationship that started 10 years ago? That could never be. And we already know how that happens in season, I believe, season two. So how do they do it? Well, they they do something very. I want to say relatable. I think a lot of people can point to that one person that got away, someone that you might have had a chance with. But then you met someone else and, and life didn't allow you to connect any longer. I loved what they did with that. It was heart touching. You knew for a fact that Alma and Bullock were definitely still in love. But that didn't mean he didn't love his wife. He didn't yeah. love his family. It just wasn't meant to be. I love that they did that because that was a question that I always that. Yes, you got the idea that they loved each other, but it was always that that question mark. Like, how does it end for them? Well, yeah. it, now we know and we get that resolve knowing for a fact that they are in love with each other. And she still had good. the vapors. She proved yeah. she showed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, uh, dude. She was. She was digging him. If it was up to, if it was up to him, they would be. They'd be up in the hotel room again. She was waiting. She was willing. Yeah. Unshaven armpits and all. Oh wow! Come on! Don't ruin the image for me. Why you got to ruin the image? You'll see it. Keep keep watching. <laughs> so stupid. I will say this: our female leads. They have all aged exceptionally well, have they I was, not? That was going to be my ne my next thing. Yeah, every single one of them. Molly Parker looked fantastic. Uh, Paula McCombson, Trixie looked better than she did in the season in the series. Uh, Kim Dickens looked amazingly gorgeous. Still, Anna Gunn looked fantastic. Yep. I mean, all of the female leads 13 years later, and they look, some of them look better than they did during the original run of the show. Well, when she was up on the horse, you, you know, she was dirty and everything. And you're kind of like, okay, they, they, they kept her 
is the word homely, uh, uh, homely. Which one are you talking about? Calamity uh, Jane. Calamity Jane. Yeah. Yeah. She then, aged fantastic as well. Well, and then she cleaned up at the end, you know, they, I don't know, they never showed us the bath scene, but she cleaned oh. up and I was like, see, she's not homely. Like I think the original Calamity Jane <laughs> no. is, but like you said, everybody in the, the whole cast in 13, I didn't, I haven't aged that well in 13 years. So, uh-huh. I mean, that's great. <laughs> well, her name is Robin Wiegert. I believe yes. I say her last name and she's actually an attractive woman. Like yep. she was in a couple seasons of Sons of Anarchy and it took me a second to realize who she was. I was like, she's pretty. I'm like, holy shit. The actress that plays Calamity Jane is not a mess <laughs> at all. So I, I just, you know, superficial what thought did there. They pull her out of for this. Oh, That's wow. Nice. Wow. Then all of a sudden but you see her in another show. Huh? So dumb. Now the guys on the other hand, uh, I mean, Timothy Oliphant's a good looking dude, period. Ian McShane are good looking dudes, but they look aged. Yeah. They definitely look aged. For and I sure. like what they did with Ian McShane too. They made him sick yeah you know if you looked at him he was you know yeah. and pale or yellow i think they said yeah you know so it was they they did a good job absolutely um another element when it comes to the characters uh, that i really appreciated the resolve they brought was bullock and al that that's a relationship that's highly complicated it's the genius of seasons one through three and we talk about this all the time, Clint, but there was even resolve brought to their relationship, knowing they can trust each other, accepting who each one is. That line from Al yes. when he says, where the fuck you been? I mean, that was his way of saying he missed him. Yeah. Where's this guy been? The guy that's full of energy and punch. <laughs> I love it. It was just that's the writing of Melts, dude. He doesn't need to do these, even though he writes dialogue like a, like a, like a son of a bitch. Like he can just write for days. His, I can listen to his dialogue forever. The guy, it, everything's poetic that comes out of the mouths of these characters. But he also shows that he doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to have these characters talk in order to express an idea. Well, Alan, the doctor, it's got to be almost the Abbott and Costello of Deadwood. Just the way the doctor treats oh, the him doc, like yeah. the- yeah. Sorry, what? You said the doctor, yeah. Yeah, the way they go back and forth and treat each other kind of like shit, but yeah. still in this brother-type way, I guess. Like the big right. brother looking over the little brother or whatever you want to call it. It's uh, it, it makes you laugh, you know? And unfortunately, it was a serious, <laughs> serious thing going on, but it was still one of those moments where it was it was typical. You know what I mean? Yeah, it worked. They did a really good job bringing closure to some of these relationships that we knew was there. It's nothing new. It wasn't like, hey, guys, I'm going to start something new that we have never set up before. It was all about just I I don't want to say reassurances, reassuring us that our interpretation of some of these relationships were, in fact, true. For example, another one that worked really well for me is is the admittance. Of love from Al. That he he's a whole I, I forgot exact words, but I mean, his he was uh, completely flabbergasted that he had feelings, love for Trixie. And that's something you and I have gone back and forth 
on our Deadwood discussions. This is a man who is not evil. He's a man that grew up in probably the rough sides of town, as Mm -hmm. we heard, as we heard in the show various times. And also, if you know his true story as well. But he isn't an evil man. I don't think that was ever the, the, I don't think that was ever a part of his backstory. He's a piece of crap because of that time period. He does things that people today would frown on, but he's not an evil man. And to, I felt like that was one of the best ways to bring that forward and give us that, that closure that this, this is a man who is good. He has a good heart. And what better way to do that than to reconnect him with a character, an emotional, I say an emotional arc that they had between uh, Alan and Trixie in the early portions of the first season. I mean, even the way the show ended and how and what they used to um, create suspense in the movie. The, the idea that he took another woman's life, the, the idea that they're haunted by their decisions. He even says that we're all haunted by our past. Yep. The fact that he took the life of an innocent woman to protect the woman he loves, even though he can't be with her because that's not in their cards. He does love her and he knows that she's better off with, with star. So just the way they brought the closure out, or I should say when they, the way they brought the closure for those characters as well, um, it gave us that 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 nod saying, yes, this is in fact what we've been working on. And then, of course, Trixie and Star giving birth to a baby, a new life in a new world. Uh, the whole idea that the city belongs to the young, because we also had the, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the sunset feeling we get in a lot of Western films that take place around this time when civility and progress begin to take root. The day of the dinosaur is over. These relics are no longer needed. The gunfighter, the saloon owner, the town will be okay. And that's why Bullock, I love this part, said what he said at the end, assuring his wife he's home. Yeah. He's done. Al is passing on as well. It was such a great way to end the series. When it comes to our core characters and how they wrapped up their stories and the way that it gave us in my opinion, I was very satisfied with the closure. Could we have gotten more? Absolutely. Did it feel lacking when it comes to closure? No. I feel like for our core characters, everything fell into place and felt right by the time the credits rolled. And I would say it was ultimately a success. Melch, he did it. He brought closure to a show that I didn't think we'd ever get. Um... The writing, as I said, was just fantastic. Uh, this was Melch's swan song as well, which is very sad for me. Uh, there was, in my opinion, I felt like there was pieces of him and his own thoughts all over this movie. Yep. His own way of of giving you a salute and saying farewell, audience. And I say this because of the recent news that David Melch had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I don't know if you heard that. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's just terrible because. He's not going to be able to write no. with Alzheimer's. There's no way he can continue to write. So in a lot of ways, this was his farewell. This is his swan song. And I felt like that's why this movie also worked on so many different levels, because I felt like it was a very personal story for him. It was an 
you know how we all get when the, you have that that thing that you can't complete. I don't know if all of us have that, but I think I think most of us can look back at something that maybe we didn't handle correctly, maybe we didn't finish something. And this felt like Milch doing that. Like this is this is my my one my one thing that I didn't finish, that I didn't complete. And before I leave this world, I need to complete this. And I felt like that's what he used for Al and Bullock in yep. so many instances throughout this movie. It felt like a part of him was being used to motivate these characters. I agree. All right. So directing <laughs> was good as well. There was obvious rapport and compatibility that Daniel Menahan had on set with these actors. And a lot of that obviously had to do with the fact that he is not a noob. He's been working on countless things throughout the last half a dozen years. No, I'm sorry, dozen years or more. But he also is, uh, you know, alumni from Deadwood. He directed at least four episodes that I know of, of the original series back in 2004, 2005, and 2006. So it looks like he directed at least one or two episodes per season. So this is a guy that understood the show. He's also good. an... You you got to have a guy that understands yeah. the show. In fact, I would have been a little concerned if um, because I knew he was directing long before I watched this, of course, with my research. And I was happy that they were using a director from the series. It would have felt a lot different. If, yeah, I if agree. You didn't have have uh, people behind the camera to who've been there before. Yeah, it, it, not just because they need to understand the the context of the show, but also the actors you're dealing with a two hour movie that needs to wrap up a lot of stuff. And there isn't a lot of time for trying to build up that rapport. He needs to, he needs to, I mean, he needs to just jump. I'm sure that's what he did. I mean, he needs to be ready to just be thrown in the thick of it and say, all right, let's start shooting this. I know you, I know what you're capable of doing. You know me, you know what I'm capable of doing. Let's do this. So I felt like that was a good call. And he did a great job. There's a lot of great moments, um, especially with some of the the acting uh, that if you don't have a strong director, you know, sometimes actors can't give it their all. Yes, these actors are all very capable of, of doing things on their own, I'm sure. But you still need that that help from the director at times to to bring out that better performance. Yep. So I, I felt like he was a good choice to direct this movie. Uh, cinematography. Mm, it wasn't bad. It was um, a B plus work, but it was not as nuanced as the TV series. There were a lot of things you could derive from various shots in the in the series. Uh, we've been talking about that again in our Patreon discussions. We delve deep into some of the the shots, and and a lot of times there's a parallel story running in conjunction with the actual narrative itself, and that's what you're supposed to do with cinematography. Uh, with this, I felt like David Klein, the DOP, he just kind of Again, it wasn't bad. It was good work, especially the way he captured action. I love the way he captured the town, but it was missing those those close ups and those uh, those deep focus shots. It it was lacking in in special care, yeah, in the detail, in my opinion, and that is no doubt due to the fact that they did not bring back the original DOP. Uh, David Klein never worked. A day of his life on the set of Deadwood. 
Uh, James Glennon was the original cinematographer, and then he died halfway through the run of the show. But Joseph E. Gallagher took over and did a great job continuing what James Glennon started. And Joseph E. Gallagher is a very accomplished cinematographer. He did work on another show that we discussed called Happen Leonard. And you and I went on and on about his cinematography, his chosen shots, I believe in season two. So that's my, my probably my biggest gripe about this entire movie is uh, it was lacking the, the nuanced cinematography. It's very, I mean, if you go back and watch the show, it's very zeroed in. It's very zeroed in. Every shot has meaning in fact, I probably bored you various times in our in our series discussions, Clint, where, you know, I break down a shot and what it means. And there really wasn't a lot of that going on. And I feel like they could have done that. There's plenty of movies. It's not a time issue. I just don't think David Klein is that type of guy. Sure. So I feel like they they missed out. It's really a shame they didn't use the camera a lot more to help carve out the narrative or round it out, I should say. So it's that time, Clint. It's that time. Let's go into the saloon. Let's uh, get out of bed. Uh, we were both we were both in bed with Joni Stubbs at oh. different times. Oh, different times. Yeah, different times. Um, I don't want to look at male genitalia. It's just not my thing. Uh, you know, I was. Uh, let's just let's just let's just start over, okay? You were in the other room with some miscellaneous whore, and I was with Joni Stubbs. There we go. And I'm gonna get up now. And you're going to get up now. We're going to give each other high fives as we enter the balcony <laughs> area. We're going to walk down the steps and um, say hi to Calamity Jane. She doesn't like penis, so I'll just leave her alone. And um, we're going to belly up to the bar. We're going to belly up to the bar. How many shots of whiskey, Clint, do you give this movie? And also, share with me your final thoughts. Well, as a, as a fan of the show, I'm giving it five. I... The whole reason I'm giving it five is because we finally get some closure. Would I have loved more hours with our characters and more hours in the town and more hours of a storyline? Yes. But that's the greediness in me. <laughs> yeah. And would it would it have helped some of the the story not feel so rushed for me? Yes. Just by spreading it out, because we're used to that with Deadwood. We're used to an hour of something, and then it builds up to the next one, and it continues. This was a two-hour push to kind of clean up everything, which I still enjoyed. I still love Deadwood. I love this this ending. I liked how they wrapped and wrapped everybody up, and we we have a sense of, as you said, it resolve. I, uh, I, I, lo- I loved it. I didn't, you know, my negativity towards some of the things are, is really just a fanboy issue. And just, I would have liked to had more just for the fact that we were used to more, you know? So, but I, I think even the heartfelt moments with Al, with, uh, Seth Bullock, with the, uh, I forgot his name, but the guy who witnessed the the shooting of um, Utter when he cried. That those moments are what we were hoping for. Yeah. Before, because we were we've seen tough guys, these two tough guys, 
just Swearingen and Bullock, hard as nails through the whole thing. And to see kind of the end was uh, pretty spectacular. So I give it five. Yeah. All right. Um, Did wow. I put you to sleep? No, I'm just trying to think. And also, Joni Stubbs is asking me to come back upstairs, and I'm kind of thinking about it. So stupid. Sling All right. Mexican meat. Oh, wow. All right. So I'm going to give this four and three quarters Jeez. of a even, shot. Whiskey. Is that even a thing? Oh, yeah, it is. It's a thing. I'm going to make I it a thing. I can't believe you just did that. I, I, because four I, and three quarters, <laughs> you're such a vagina. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to pass out, Clint. What do you want me to take the full shot? You going to take advantage of me? Come three on, three quarters. I'm going to just take a little sip off of the fifth one. <laughs> I want you and to I, do me a favor. I'm sorry, but you need to get that much into a shot glass and post it. <laughs> I want to see what kind of man drinks that <laughs> that right I was there. about to throw up, so I was like, you know what? I better not finish this. Uh, it's just too much. Four shots in a row, so I was thinking about that fifth, but... Jesus. Give me a break, alright? Um, I would give it five full shots. If the cinematography was on point... That's just, I'm sorry. I mean, the cinematography wasn't horrible. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, l- let me, let me say this, Clint. It's you're, average you're cinematography. A wine drinker. <laughs> it's average cinematography. It's what I would expect from another show. It's nice. It looks pretty. There's no mistakes, but it's kind of paint by numbers. There's All nothing right. special. I don't see the cinematographer getting there, getting his hands dirty, getting in the trenches saying, you know what? Let's do this. I feel like this shot here will convey uh, the idea of whatever. It was lacking some of the poetry of the original cinematography from the show. So that's the only reason why. Okay. And I feel like a, a loser. Maybe that's my fanboy. You know what? It is my fanboy because I'm based. You know what? I, I'm going to I'm going to take back what I just said. I cannot review this movie based on the TV series. I can't do it. Five shots. That a boy. I'm going to give it five shots. I'm just going to give it five shots because I, I can't do that. That's not fair. I'm this, proud is a, of you. this is a movie. Not a part of the series. The writing was solid. Melch did a great job. It wasn't perfect, but it definitely deserved five shots. God damn it, Mike. You're you're amazing. Yeah. I decided to go through with it. Look Pure at you. pressure. Pure pressure. Now I'm going to drive home drunk and die. Thank Here's, you. Well, you're not driving. You're riding a horse, but. So stupid. My only issue. Your man. Here comes your man card. It's coming. I'm going to. I'm going to say it again. My <laughs> only issue is that I felt like. This was season three, episode 11 and 12, Redux. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about that as of yet. Do you think they did that? And I don't mean to cut you off, but do you think they did that because of, I noticed a lot of people online who never saw the show watch yes. the movie. Yes, that's And they so did they it. just kind of rolled it so that it seemed like, you know, so that it was a little easier for people who never saw the series. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to tell those people who did right that, yes, they spoke like that. Get used to it because it's in the series. And if you didn't watch yeah. the series, don't watch the movie yet. Go back and yeah. watch the series. Huh, it's too hard to understand. What are they saying? Well, you know, go sit in the corner, put your dunce hat on and just slit your wrist. OK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Here's your man card. Why okay. do we have listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goddamn, You just went just, right for it on that. Yeah, one. whatever. Fuck them. 
Welcome to fucking Weird West Radio. Yeah. Cocksuckers. <laughs> yeah, we we insult you all. Sorry, guys. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, but it's just two guys really rambling in mics, enjoying yeah. each other's company. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this concludes our discussion on Deadwood, the movie. I want to thank, not that David Melch will ever listen to this, but I want to thank David Melch for putting this together and the actors for coming together and giving the the fans a fantastic way to just end the show. Yeah. It needed to happen. And also HBO. Uh, I'm so glad they smartened up. Yeah. They were like, hey, we got to do this. Because somebody's thinking about driving a truck into this building oh wow oh no am i the only one who thought about that how many suicides do you think hbo was responsible for back in season three (laughs) right at the end when they're like here's your pink slip (laughs) jumping right off the top building all right if you guys miss any part of this broadcast past or present because you're listening to us during weird west sundays hey you can find us on demand. Just search for us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Weird West Radio. Leave us reviews. Give us thumbs up. Thank you, Clint. Thank you, Michael. And good night. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. You can go to hell, hell, hell.